Welcome to the Woman's School, your how to be a woman school in context of today's culture. We believe in wholeness. Our mission is to give women practical, systematic, and comprehensive guide to living a life that is whole. Our bold dream is to rebuild culture one woman's worth at a time because every woman deserves to feel whole and complete. She was created to live a life of generosity, but in order to give, she must first receive. And that is our bold mission. We equip women with a mindset and a skill set that will give her the capacity to give more of her best self to the world. Welcome to The Woman's School. My name is January Donovan, your founder and your guide. It is day 13 postpartum, and I am here with a very dear friend of mine, uh, Shannon, Shannon, sorry, uh, and uh, she's also a mom of seven, and actually Zeke's godmother, so we're just going to have a, you know, just going to have an honest, raw discussion about postpartum, about the mindset, about our preparation, so we're just going to have a raw, she's prepared some questions, and I'll share uh, my experience and also my perspective and situation. So awesome. Okay. Um, one of the questions I was thinking of Jenny was at, right now, there's a lot of prep out there physically for what to, what you're going to experience postpartum, but there's not a lot out there that prepares you mentally and emotionally for mm -hmm. that time frame. So what would you say would be the best way for women to prepare for that? Okay, so I, my opinion in so many things right now is that there's really a robbery of preparation for so many women, whether it's motherhood, whether it's postpartum, whether it's married life. And I think the the crisis that I'm seeing is that it's almost like only parts of women matter. <laughs> and we're only equipping women with, you know, financial success or maybe physical health or exercise, but not really the whole woman. Mm -hmm. And so... It's same with pregnancy. It's it's a lot of the physical uh, preparation, which only hits one part of the woman, right. and so then all of a sudden the woman gets you know pregnant, has a baby, and all of a sudden it's like okay, I'm physically fit, but my mind is is exhausted and I'm anxious. So uh, I think we need to first acknowledge that there isn't really preparation because I think it gives us permission to feel like okay, I've been robbed. And nothing's wrong with me. It's not that something's wrong with me. It's just that nobody prepared me. Mm -hmm. and that's important because then we beat ourselves over guilt. Did you feel yeah. that? And shame. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I always say, like, it's almost like, give, you know, um, beating ourselves over for writing a paper. We end up getting a D when nobody ever taught us A, B, C. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and so we beat ourselves over and over like, oh, my gosh, I got a D. But nobody ever taught us how to read. And that's kind of what I feel like so many times being woman is. So... So that's, I think, first thing is permission that there's a lack of preparation so that we don't walk into guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. uh, secondly, I think it's important to recognize that we're all kind of swimming against the same um, lack of preparation because that tendency is to look at other women and say, oh, she's got it together and there's a comparison of competition and we feel inadequate and the spiral rabbit hole of I'm yeah. not good enough, <laughs> I think, begins and, you know, the main thing that we need to understand is that our mind affects our bodies, Absolutely. right? The, the mental exhaustion causes physical stress in our body. Yes. Uh, and we, if we don't recognize that and we're just preparing our bodies, but not our mind, it's only a matter of time until our bodies kind of break down because we're driven mentally 
by um our bodies are driven by our thoughts okay right. and those are sort of you know our thoughts affect our emotion our emotion impact our physical body our physical body that impacts every part of our spiritual life and so it's important to understand the neuroscience behind our emotion and our body uh so anyway so how do we prepare ourselves so that's the first thing is acknowledging there's no preparation second thing is to know that most women are going through the same thing mm -hmm. um and number three i think we need to be very intentional if possible to prepare prior to our um mental and our emotional state which is all connected so how do we do that we really need to take an inventory and in how we manage our thoughts Absolutely. um inventory on are do we go to automatic negative negative thoughts worst case scenario or best case scenario do we make um you know a big deal out of a lot of things throughout the day do we have the tools to manage our mind do we understand the impact of managing our mind that impacts our emotion do we have the scripts to be able to draw boundaries and replacing guilt and shame to hope and and, and um uh learning so how do you prepare yourself as a mom today practically speaking i go to mindset training books <laughs> uh unfortunately and obviously we're creating this mindset postpartum training class because i i want to be able to cater postpartum mindset training specific to moms mm. excuse me while i try to have a real life situation <laughs> um and then uh so i'm going to tell you kind of what i have done uh and, and it really is, is it's a work and i think it's not just even you know postpartum it's asking motherhood is that we can't manage our home unless we manage our mind and so how do we do that we first need to know like how do we actually manage our mind am i really you know do 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 we need to take an inventory of the words we use i'm so stressed this is horrible this is awful i'm so exhausted because there's a part in our brain called a reticular activator that expands what we focus on so the words we use if we're constantly saying i'm stressed we actually look for evidence that we're stressed so when you were pregnant all of a sudden you start to see all the pregnant ladies <laughs> because your reticular activator is actually heightenedly aware of the fact that okay that's you're pregnant and so now you're seeing all the pregnant ladies that's the same thing with i'm so stressed i'm so exhausted so first we need to take a mental inventory of how we manage our mind period yeah right and that's the first thing is awareness and then the second thing is that we need to know how to replace these um i would say habitual reactions so for example should you give me a kind of a script that moms go through of um i'm so what, what they do like a negative script yeah a negative script yeah i should have a lot of should has mm -hmm. i should have been more patient i should have Mm -hmm. I, I just there's a lot of should have a lot of moms mm -hmm. do that at the end of the day they they go through all the stuff that they should have done yeah and so learning how to say progress over perfection right you know <laughs> life happens for me not to me today i did the best i could right you know and so really let but i i you know in our training i just did a training on this yesterday like what is our initial reaction oh. that's an important thing because our initial reaction oh. usually tells us like, oh, that's my habitual pattern. Like, if I automatically go to, oh, I cannot do this, mm -hmm. then that tells me that you have given yourself a limited belief. Belief is so powerful. So really, it's not ever one thing. And that's why I tell women and, and you know, the women's school is that, you know, managing our mind is not one solution. It's actually um, looking at every part of the woman. <laughs> uh, and so that's the first thing is that managing our words 
uh, in the hospital while I was there. I listened to motivational videos. I listened to mindset videos. I really gave myself, I wrote my scripts of what to say when things weren't working out so that I wasn't going down the road of like, you know, worst case scenario mm -hmm. because he was in the NICU for 10 days. He wasn't breathing well. And, you know, I made a decision to look at the best case scenario uh, and find the good enough situation. I literally like went into gratitude scripts every second. Like I was just saying, I'm so grateful for, mm -hmm. thank God for this. I'm so grateful that I'm driving three hours a day <laughs> to the NICU, <laughs> even though, you know, there was inconveniences. So again, on my gratitude script, I, I don't actually allow myself to look at things that would add more stress, but that's also including talking to people that would add more stress. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, boundaries are key. Uh, I, you know, a lot of times we don't know how to deal with boundaries, and especially as new moms, opinions, oh, yeah. and Absolutely. like, you should do this, and the grandmother says this, and, and so I always have a script, I'm like, thank you, you know, I'll take in consideration. I'll see how it all works. And it's so important that when you actually draw from boundaries, people actually respect you more as opposed to kind of like absorbing everybody's opinion and being like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with me? I'm not doing it that way and this way. Um, number five is that we cannot go into the comparison and competition rabbit hole. Oh yeah. Because I think that puts added unnecessary stress to our minds and our bodies. Uh, so that those are, I think, like just a quick, <laughs> but those are not, those are massive work. Because those are habitual patterns that we've developed for decades. Absolutely. And so as mothers, we have to really be vigilant. And um, if, if you're listening to this before your baby's born, or even if you're before number two is born, number three, now is the time to do it. Um, but other than that, the best time is now to replace some of these uh, thought patterns that we've been conditioned to by our culture. So so that helps. Is that, is that helpful? Yes, very yeah, and I think being able to manage yourself um, and that anxiety um, ahead of time is helpful. I can't tell you how many times when I worked postpartum as a nurse, um, the parents would call us into the room and the baby would be crying and they could not get the baby to calm down. And they'd say, I don't know, what we, he won't sleep. she won't sleep, he won't eat. He won't. And as soon as that baby, we pushed that baby through the doorway, they would conk out. And they were feeding off of their parents' stress in the room. Babies are so intuitive. And they really do feed off of how we're feeling. So I think it's su such a benefit if you can Aww. tackle that early on, how to manage your mind, kind of ma how to manage that mm -hmm. that um, anxiety and stress ahead of time. It's just going to benefit you and your child mm -hmm. you know, before. And that's not something to take lightly. I think Brene Brown talks about um, anxiety is the most contagious affect. Yes. Um, and so to think that our children are not experiencing our anxiety is actually kind of almost in denial about how <laughs> our brains and, and how we're so connected human being. Uh, so, you know, they release, we release cortisol hormones. They're drinking off your nursing. They're drinking off. But yes. also we're emitting it. Like we're literally emitting all these like, you know, if you ever met somebody who's like so anxious and stressed, you can like feel their stress and kind of makes you feel like, Oh my gosh, I just, you know, it's like palpable. Yeah, yeah. you can feel it. And, yep. and there's actually scientific evidence, which I am not a scientist, so I'm not going to go in there. But, um, you know, there's scientific evidence that you actually experience those pheromones, those cortisol hormones that are emitting um, throughout our bodies. So I think it's important just to know that even so mm -hmm. that we can be convinced and convicted about managing it. Yes. <laughs> and um, I guess my question to you, Shane, is that how 
you know, how has this awareness changed the way you show up as a mom of, of managing just our mind? Just even most women are never taught to even like, you know, oh, yeah. we have Lamas class and I know, birthing class and all this. And I'm like, what about my management for moms? Oh my gosh, that is so needed. I mean, really, because I, I mean, I came into the women's school right before I had my number seven. And so, I mean, literally like a week before I had had her. And it changed my entire postpartum experience, just being able to manage my thoughts and my mind. And and I also just noticed that the environment around, like, because I feel like mothers were like the compass of the house. Mm-hmm. And whenever we're off or thrown off, the house is just thrown off. Everyone's off. Everyone's <laughs> off. I mean, usually if there's something going around in the house, it's like, okay, you almost have to like check yourself. Okay, yeah. where where am I at emotionally? And and usually it's um, those days that I feel like I'm really fighting it to like kind of keep it together is when my family is like totally off. Yeah. So, um, but having that skill really changed the whole postpartum experience because I felt like I was able to kind of even look at things in a, from a different perspective of, you know, it's almost like you're giving yourself permission for things to happen, but it's not happening to you. It's for happening you. for you. Yeah. Okay, so why is this happening for me? I mean, now it's to the point, like, if the baby's up three times a night, I'm like, okay, why is this happening for me? Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to pray some more. So, mm-hmm. like, I'll, or whatever. Like, I'll, you know, um, I'll take the time and try and do something productive with it if I'm awake, you know. But I just, I feel like you just, every opportunity given to you is is for you. And so if you can at least even realize that, yeah. that's huge. Yeah. I feel like that's changed my whole perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think perspective is, is, is what shapes the way we see a crying baby or a, you know, baby in the NICU or children that are defiant. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so I think that's really um, massive. I, you know, for me, I had four under four. And I remember because somebody prepared me, it wasn't like Jenny had all these special powers. <laughs> I had a mentor who helped me so many of these um I would say my management skills and emotional command that helped me transition that really I didn't realize how um, how it helped my motherhood. Mm. But, you know, I couldn't connect the dots. I was connecting it as a teacher. I was using, I was like, you know, I had four under four, but it was, it, you know, I felt like it, was, it wasn't it was stressful. It was just, you just do. And I think one of the things that was drilled to me is that you find a solution. Mm-hmm. You don't sit in the anxiety because I think that makes you more anxious. Like, oh my gosh, I am right here i'm like what's the solution here genuinely mm-hmm. and that that's always so helpful is to be that woman of solution so yes. um so I, I i do think that it's just a lack of preparation it's nothing's wrong with us yeah absolutely um we just need training that's just it. more formation yep. yep um so awesome All right yeah. we can next question well bridging off of that um so you talk about my management um also with self um self-image even having a strong self-image I mean that's another thing that you can work on leading up to it um, because I feel like as you have older kids who challenge you more and you have to set more boundaries mm-hmm. if we question our decision making or if we question you know ourselves and our lack of or our judgment um, we can falter and not be firm in making decisions and that can cause, cause a lot of stress yep. too Indecision causes a lot of stress. And, yeah, sure. But so self-image is this—it's it, massive. It's life-changing. Most women assume it's body image because that's the way our culture actually um, presumes. And there's an assumption that subconscious women think about it because most women yeah. that I ask about, oh, 
you know, how you design, define your self-image, it's automatically, like, I love my body. And you can tell by the response, the definition of it, with self-image is really the opinion we hold of ourselves, And it's been developed over time. And so what happens as mom is that we shape opinions of who we are and who we're not based on how we were raised, on the things that we're told we were. You're just not really good at motherhood. You're just really not nurturing. You're just really bad at the kitchen. All these mm. things that are projection of who we are and who we're not if we don't know actually how the script to change that and also redesign our self-image mm. we could become a victim to other people's opinion for the rest of our life yeah and, and people like to share their opinions a lot <laughs> yeah dime a dozen so our self-image is really in the opinion that we hold of ourselves. but the, the most beautiful thing is that we can actually design our self-image i can say i'm a grateful mom I am firm with my boundaries. I can make a decision and then learn the skill to become that woman so that I don't become a victim to whatever else thinks I should or not be. And it really changes the way we look at opinions. Yeah. And that way, you know, a lot of times, like if my daughter is like, oh, you're so horrible. I see my children look at their mom and be like, you're so horrible. And the mom doesn't say anything, first of all, because she doesn't think she deserves to say something and draw a boundary because nobody taught her and not a fault to her own but then she internalizes it mm. and then she what happens in our brain if we understand neurons is that through the process of repetition just like we learn language we start to actually believe these lies right i'm just a horrible mom so on so if we were never taught to draw a boundary and then we start to actually um presume all the opinions and then they become our opinion of ourselves, and then we find evidence of why we're a horrible mom all day long when we don't make, when we don't have everything together. Yeah. So the self-image is a massive preparation work for moms. And, you know, January, the, there was a January, you've got stuff figured out, you're a mom over it. I'm like, no, I'm actually recalibrating my self-image now, yeah. you know? And, and it's like learning how to fish. It's learning how to redesign and design your self-image to accommodate the season of your life. Absolutely. So, you know, I am going to hold the whole training on self-image as a postpartum mom, but... It's like, it's life altering to understand what that means. Yeah. Um, Self-image. Um, so the other thing that I think is important for moms and for postpartum is routines. Mm. And it's one of those things that, you know, when I was always training moms with routines, I got a lot of retaliation. I honestly did. Really? And, mm -hmm. and it's like, you can't put a baby in a routine. You've got to go with a child. And all of that, I believe, is does not um, conflict with, I think, how we should mother. So here's what I believe is important as mothers. We have to see the whole house. <laughs> we have to see the big picture. And we have to understand that there's, a th for me at least, there's, there's a four-year-old. And then there's a five-year-old. There's a one-year-old. And then there's... So I have to decide and dream about how I want my home to be. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we are, we're, first of all, we're not taught to dream as mothers because that's when you're supposed to hang your hat of your dreams. I defy it. I disagree with it and we train against it. But if we don't have a dream about how our home is supposed to be like, and for me, my dream is to keep a, a house that's peaceful. And that doesn't mean there's no screaming and fighting and all, but that there's a culture of peace. That, that's my dream. That's what I try to uphold. And so from that dream, I say, now, what kind of routine do I need to build to keep that peace? So it's working from the dream backwards. Mm. 
not reactive and then trying to find what the dream is. Does that make sense? Yes. Right. So it's deciding, okay, I want to be able to have great conversation with my children. That's the dream. Connecting. And so we build a rhythm of life based on the dream. Mm-hmm. And my dream is, is, is simple for my house. It's to have, to have harmony and peace and to raise children that are going to create, you know, impact in the world. That sounds so easy. <laughs> piece of cake. You know, that's a simple dream. And so from there, then I can make a decision. So what does that look like in my routine, in my rhythm of life? What does that look like in me cultivating a rhythm of life for my toddler? For my So for me, I build a routine from the hospital. Like, it's so habitual. But I don't build a routine just for my baby. I build a routine for the whole family. It's a skill. And it's a compounding skill set. <laughs> and uh, so right now, at week two... You know, I'm basically timing my two-week-old and my toddler to have the same morning nap and afternoon nap so that they're creating a routine that allows me to be present to my other children, mm. but also allows me to be present to say, okay, I can, you know, make sure I have a conversation with my husband late at night or that I can, um, you know, have half an hour to make a quick meal that I know would be great in the evening that my children would prefer. What I'm saying is that there's a lot of movement. <laughs> a lot of like... Yeah. Um, but does that make sense? It's creating a routine that allows for the harmony. Now, is it perfectly done? Absolutely not. Is it a work in progress? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But it's working from the dream backwards. Does that make sense? It does. So what would you say to people that... Because um, I get this question a lot from from other mothers where you see the design of how you want your day to go you've kind of labeled your desires of what you want out of your day with your children and all that um what do you do when it doesn't go as planned like like how do you recalibrate and pivot and um you detach from the outcome and that's a skill in itself i think most of these things that i teach women are just skills they're not you know there's they're 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 disciplines their thought patterns, their reactions that need to be trained. Like our reactions should be trained. If we have an anxious reaction for things that are out of control, we can retrain it. Mm-hmm. It's just a rewiring in our brain. Uh, so boundaries is a skill. Learning to time manage is a skill. Learning to get a rhythm of life is a skill. Learning to recalibrate is a skill. Mm-hmm. So for example, you know, with Zig, he, he's, he's getting up. So I put him down at... Uh, he gets up like around 12, 3, and 6, right? So I've, I've, I've kind of built a routine where he gets up every two, two and a half, three hours. But in NICU, that's what they did. Yeah. So I'm literally kind of piggybacking on the NICU schedule, and that's what my first child did. So I was sort of providential. He was in NICU. Mm-hmm. I piggybacked on their routine. Uh, but then he, you know, was up at two and a half. So I just recalibrate. Yeah. And then... Um, you're always constantly strategizing <laughs> and and that's why we need to look at every parts of our life so that we're not mentally exhausted. Yeah. We need to make sure that we eat healthy. We need to make sure that we know how to ask for help as a skill set, uh, you yes. know? So like at six o'clock or roughly between six and seven, I'm like, right, can you just, after I feed him, I'm like, can you take him? And can you change him and then just kind of, you know, swaddle him back up and then put him down and then I get another half hour sleep. Uh, and I, Ryan, the girls kind of come in here in my room. So Ryan's like, give mommy another half hour so he protects me. So I'm very like intentional about what I need and what I don't need. I yeah. speak up. Communicating that. That's big. Yeah. 
but but that's a skill in itself yes <laughs> so that's why when i talk about postpartum i'm like do you know the amount of skill set we actually need to acquire so many and the robbery is that why isn't anybody teaching us these skills yes because they're just simple skills they're boundary skills they're you know communication skills they're <clears throat> um creating a routine or you know learning how to clean the kitchen quickly all these different things they are compounding that helps us with managers so that's what gets me frustrated because i feel like why are we not equipping women yeah before they feel like they're drowning because right. that's all there is 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 you know um it's it's and i remember like when i was in college or after college i um i had a mentor who basically trained me in the kitchen i was in charge of the kitchen and she was like, you have half heart to clean the whole kitchen for 12 women. Hmm. And then I was also cooking and I, you know, I enjoyed it, but I didn't realize that training changed my motherhood. Oh my gosh. You know, Is that so where I, you really first learned to do all your cook as you clean, um, clean as you cook? Kind well, of? my dad also kind of taught me that cook as you clean. Uh, but I didn't think I really cooked much as a young girl because my parents cooked a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to recall. And in college, I didn't cook because we were in the dorms. Right. We went to college together. Um, <laughs> we went in the dorms. So I think it was afterwards that I just learned. But it was even, I was in my mid-20s. I would watch the cooking show. But what I had was cleaning skills and preparation skills mm -hmm. because at 2021, I was in charge of the kitchen. Um and I had to go for 12 women. I had to plan all the menu oh, wow. uh, for 12 women. And then I had, to, and it was a menu that was like, make sure the appetizer had the dessert. I had, so it was like, um, but I also had to delegate like who was making the dessert and, you know, or I wasn't all, I don't think I was all in charge of it. But then I had to work with donations from food. It wasn't like I, <laughs> oh, wow. I could, um, I'm just recalling this actually. I had to work <laughs> with it because it was missionary work. So I had to work with donations. So it wasn't like I planned this elaborate. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I had to basically cook what was in the pantry. Okay. And that was a skill in itself. That's a big skill. That's a huge skill. And oh. so, you know, when I teach my children, I'm like, figure out something. And so leftovers could be, to be, could be totally, uh, uh, what is it called? Um, it? A fancy meal. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you just like make it work. Yeah. And so that what I think that's a skill that mom should learn. And it's not like being a gourmet chef, it's a word gourmet. But it's just learning some of the most basic things. Yes. No one taught I, me that either. Yeah, and, and, and I don't think I cook I I do an Instagram like I don't need anything fancy. <laughs> I really don't. Like things that I because I've had to do it quickly. Um cleaning as I as we cook is important. Learning to make the bed quickly, learning so all these are so profoundly important. Yeah. And they're so like little but they matter it all lays out your day yeah because yeah. then as a postpartum you think you're just dealing with the baby and you're like just kidding i still have to do bills i still have to cook the kitchen i still have to right. clean the toilet i still have to there's so many things it's not really the baby almost and it is but it's because there's so many things weighing on us on top of this like life-changing baby transition sure that it feels like you're dying and we don't live in a world where our mothers are next to us except when you're an awesome Miss Gigi. <laughs> you decide to live next year. Um, uh, right. We don't have our, you know, we don't we don't live in that society anymore where our mothers next to us, our aunts next to us, they're giving the village, us advice. Right. Yeah, and eat, and I share this all the time. I'm like, even right now when you're in the kitchen and you're trying to teach 
you know how to cook. They're on their phone. They're not observing through osmosis. Right. We live in a different world. And, there, and I remember when I was doing, I was just kind of observing and doing a lot of studies on this. And it's like, oh, my mom's such a great cook. Do you know how to cook? No. And it was like classic case. And it was a lot of times when the internet changed <laughs> and the entertainment, it, their moms were great cooks. And maybe their mom tried to teach them, but there were just so many distractions. Yeah. Um, so what's my point in all this? My point is, is that, that there's so many skills that we've been deprived of, but the hopeful thing is that we can incrementally learn it. Right. And to also give us affirmation that if we don't, there is so much hope. And sure, it might mean that there's a little bit of a, uh, you know, kind of like a frustrating situation, but that's just part of, the, I think, the fact that We've been robbed. Yeah. Right? But better late now than being resentful for a lifetime. Absolutely. And taking it one step at a time. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to acquire all those skills overnight either. Mm -hmm. But I think being around a community of women that are growing together and learning skills together, I think is helpful because the culture has been, it's a comparison and competition. Yes. Um, But if you, you know, you could be in a culture where everybody's like, well, I'm just learning it right alongside you and we're doing it. I think that changes the game. And right. that's collaboration. We, yes. And I think that's what we're trying to do in the women's school is that how can we learn from each other? How can we collaborate? How can we learn all this together? Because clearly we haven't been taught, mm-hmm. you know, and I find that the, this is a big thing. I feel like a lot of times mothers feel like they're not successful because success has been defined outside of the home. And here's the reality is that you can make hundreds of millions of dollars and achieve external success but if you're home and your kids are not healthy or happy or peaceful or your home life seems like it's not the way you want to be it's gonna hold it's you're not gonna it's not gonna be fulfilling it's something that's going to be missing in our life so that's been a lie that's sold to us i think success should be defined and it was defined in women's school as a capacity to impact human behavior towards its highest good so it's impacting my children my spouse my work life everything so that we're constantly emitting and, and inspiring people to become their best version of ourselves, and that's how we should define success so that mothers are entitled to feel as though they are successful because they're home and not defined by a culture who only values parts of the woman so i get kind of thirsty about that i love that though <laughs> <laughs> So I think, you know, that's, this is a great ongoing conversation. I really, you know, but um, I think to maybe to wrap it up, I think that there's so much hope and Shane, maybe you can speak on that, um, yeah. on that we're not stuck and that we can actually grow together as mothers and redefine. Redefine. I think that's the key word is mm-hmm. to let women know that they're not, you're not stuck where you are. You can redefine, even if you've been doing it the same way. Even if you're on baby four, baby 20, I mean, like, really, it doesn't matter. It's never too late to start redefining who and deciding who you want to be, mm-hmm. you know, you're choosing to be exactly right. Exactly. Because I think a lot of women think, well, I've been doing it for the song. It's there's no point in changing it now. But if you're not happy and you're not peaceful, you don't have to stay stuck there. Yeah. You you can change and redesign the mom you want to be. Yeah. And I think regret is, is a painful thing. Yeah. So, yes. you know, and, and a lot of times we just sort of get numb to it. But I think it's time. I think we have a responsibility to the next generation to say this is not the way women ought to operate. We're not supposed to be separated from motherhood to our work life. We're supposed to integrate and that our fulfillment is 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 integrated. Yeah. 
Uh -huh. And if we choose to be, you know, mothers who work from home or outside of home, everywhere in between, that does not, the external does not define our, um, our self-worth. We're not defined by what opinions or what the metric of success is. And I think that's important. So this could be continuity. Let's see. Here we go. Day, did we say 14? I can't remember. 14. Hi. Two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Awesome. Thank you, Shani, so much. Thank you. For this conversation. And we might have another conversation after this. <laughs>